What's up, everyone, and welcome to the Raised a Geek podcast, where geek is all we speak. We have a packed show this week, including the Eternals trailer is finally here. Don and I review Love, Death, and Robots Volume 1 and 2 because we are crazy and watch way too much TV this week. And we find out if anyone is ready for Joker 2. And by we, I already spoiled it, but I mean Chris. And Don. Let's go. All right. Memorial Day weekend is here. Those of you listening, I hope your Memorial Days were great. But Don and I right now, we're smack dab in the middle of our Memorial Day. What's going on, man? Big plans? How you doing? Chris, what is happening today, my friend? No, no nothing. No crazy big plans. Uh, I do always enjoy when a holiday weekend pokes its head in uh, because that's just a little extra time off from work. It's always a good feeling, and it's been a long time since uh, one of those. Since this is always that longest stretch between Christmas and New Year's, then you got to get all the way to June before you get like a holiday to have off. So it's my first yeah. one. Oh I've yeah, never a, I've never had a job that just gave me a three day weekend for a holiday that I was off. I've always worked either retail or hospitality where I, it's mandatory that I work. Yeah. And usually it's been, it's crazy. You know, I usually dread the holidays. So this is my literally first right. work given holiday. You get to do your, get your little extra relaxation, like the normal people, <laughs> the normal nine to five or Monday through Friday. It's that little extra. Yeah, man. It's cool. I like it. I like it. <laughs> no complaints. Yeah. But still no plans and I have no, nothing going on. So. Oh no. I mean, the weather's not great. So usually when you think Memorial Day, you're like, uh, you know, outside grilling uh, people over on patio or deck or whatever your close friends come by. But I don't know, just this this different year, things aren't that that. And like like I said, the weather's not great here. It was like we had to turn the heat back on last night, even though we had the air conditioning on a week ago when it was 80. And then yesterday it's uh down into the 40s and it's like we got to turn the heat back on this sucks <laughs> you know one of the, <laughs> one of those things like i don't want to turn the heat back on but i have to because i'm cold and i can't sleep when i'm cold uh so yeah it, it might be a different kind of weekend i might still get out there and hit the grill for just me and my wife but uh yeah we'll see we got the brats in the fridge ready to go ready to hit that grill get some brats going so at least at come monday when want to grill got something ready to go for that yeah man for sure we're gonna hit some business which is to make sure you like subscribe follow us on all podcasts and social media services thank you for everyone who's been reviewing the podcast we're always looking for those five stars so hit us up on wherever you listen to us follow us on twitter at raised a geek and shoot us an email with any questions comments concerns thoughts anecdotes jokes topics anything that you want to talk to us about and see if you can make the show email us at one two three Oh, did it again. Man, I still have a problem. Email us at raisedageek at gmail.com. I don't know when that's going to get out of my head. I just get rolling and I, I, I You're just back. used to it. Just switch back. Raisedageek at gmail.com. Hit us up. Don? Well, this week, man, we got news. We got lots of stuff that actually came, so we're not even going to jump into the coming attractions yet, which we got those two. It's going to pack show, as we said at the beginning. Uh, but we got some news, some casting news that came out was Aaron Taylor Johnson 
formerly Kickass, formerly Quicksilver, is getting his third chance to be in the superhero world as he got cast as Craven the Hunter in a Craven the Hunter movie that Sony's putting out. Don, how this casting news hit you, and how do you feel about Sony? And hoping that we really care about their villains. We got Venom 2, we got Morbius, now we got Craven the Hunter. Is any of this, do you care about any of this, man? <laughs> uh, care about this is like, a, uh, how do you define that? Because I care enough to the point where I find it interesting, but I don't care where it like doesn't really register too high on my list of things. Like uh, Sony with these like you said, Sony really does seem like they want us to care about villains. They're giving them their own properties and own like specifically Spider-Man's villains. Uh, they, they want them to give these guys all their own movies, which I don't really know how I feel about. Like I don't truly care about Spider-Man's villain, Spider-Man's villains outside of Spider-Man himself, unless we're talking about Venom. I mean, Venom. I always like the idea of him getting kind of his own thing, but I would like Venom better in a Spider-Man related project. So I accept that because I like the point. I like Venom enough, but like a Craven movie, do I care? Like a Morbius movie? I don't really care about that. That's coming out. Um, so, I mean, it's fine. Um, as far as the casting goes, I, I don't, Sony and Marvel must really just love this guy because he keeps getting shots at doing stuff with them. There's all these other actors out there who deserve a shot, I think, to be in something like this and um, get their chance at being in a superhero movie if they want to be. And when I think Craven the Hunter, I always just imagine an older actor than him. So I, <clears throat> I'm not sure what the process is behind that. If they want to keep him in like a similar close age to Tom Holland, um my my where's, fan cat what's your fan casting because i'm about to say what mine is <laughs> no like when i picture craven the hunter i would love if they did like carl urban that's who i think would make a perfect um craven he's older and i think craven is supposed to be older than like spider-man is so i think they should have went with an older actor first of all um i i've read a lot of fan casts that people would love jason momoa to be in that role but him already being deep in Aquaman, I don't see him doing another, uh, playing another comic role for Marvel. But yeah, me, I see Car Carl Urban. I, I don't know see that. I see Jeffrey yeah. Dean Morgan. Yeah, I, I can, can see, see that him too. doing that. You grizzle him out a little bit. He's got the right age. You get that gray in the beard, and he <clears> seems like a big dude. So I could see yeah. him doing that. Um, which I think would be cool. But yeah, Aaron Taylor Johnson. I mean, it doesn't do anything for me. No, not really. Um, and what the hell is a Craven the Hunter movie even going to be about? I don't know, man. I don't know. What, I don't know why. Man, what, what's he going to do in this movie? Is it just? I mean, and I mean, I guess we'll see more with the Morbius movie. Like Venom is an anti-hero, so it makes sense. Okay, if you want to make Venom the hero of the movie, make bad guys worse than him, I can buy that. Morbius. Why do I need a Morbius uh, origin movie? Are they going to make him the hero or are they just going to keep him as the villain? What is the context of that movie? And then you, now even with this, Craven the Hunter. So now are you going to sympathize? Am I going to sympathize with Craven the Hunter? Is he just going to hunt? Like, what is the appeal to this movie? Yeah, I don't understand either. It's like, and I feel like they are, they're both going to be origin stories. And we've already gone through 
before like how you feel especially about origin things uh so i feel like we're in line for another couple go rounds with origins of of these villains and yeah i don't the draw isn't there for me maybe sony is trying to play the long game where they want to eventually get to a point where they have a sinister six of their own but then there's rumors about other sinister six stuff going on with the mcu so like i don't i don't know what they're doing man it's mm-hmm. it's kind of just going to be a wait and see but the casting like i just give it a shrug my shoulders meh give me a trailer and i probably still wait till it's on video there you go <laughs> uh, we got more casting news the last of us hbo show which is definitely a show that don and i are super ridiculously pumped for they've already casted pedro pascal and they casted that girl who was the kid queen in game of thrones which i don't know her name off the top of my head because i did not prepare properly for this segment I think it's Bella Ramsey. Bella Ramsey. What, Don't worry, I, I had to. I had to look it up too myself. I wouldn't have known that name if I didn't. That, but that's the Game of Thrones name, right? No, that's her real name. But they I had think. Ramsey. Ramsey's in Game of Thrones. That's really confusing. It is, but I think <laughs> unless I'm wrong and like totally making myself look stupid here, I think her name is Bella Ramsey. Right now, someone's screaming at their car radio, going, "That's the Game of Thrones name, idiot!" Right. <laughs> didn't you read the books? You're frauds. These guys are frauds. They're phonies. They're phonies. Yeah. But regardless, we got lots of big casting news. If you've played that game in any way, you know we are in for a hell of a show and a depressing eight weeks of TV or whatever we're going to get. But it's going to be amazing if it's done right. But they did an actual surprise move this week, and they cast Merle Dandridge as Marlene in The Last of Us. And while you may be going, who's Merle Dandridge or what does any of this mean? The big thing was that Merle Dandridge actually played Marlene in Last of Us 1 and 2. So they actually cast the motion capture slash voice actress. I'm not sure if she did both. But who really brought this character to life in the games is now going to bring it to life on the screen. And that's kind of awesome. Makes you wonder why they didn't maybe do that with other characters. I mean, you could have done that with Joel. (laughs) Honestly, Joel and Ellie are the big ones where if they, well, yeah, they're like the main characters in this story anyway, but like if they would have got them for this show, that would have been great. I don't know what the reasons are. Maybe they didn't want it to be so, so close to the game uh, because it's going to take some liberties or I don't really know the thought process behind that. I think it's just throwing names. If you throw, yeah. I, I'm, if you, man, I'm blanking on the guy who uh, voiced Joel. But if you cast him, you know, he's a voice actor, you know. So I mean, it's just not going to be the same. Yeah, he doesn't look like Joel. Not that Pedro Pascal does look like Joel, but they can. I mean, and also Pedro Pascal is like the the hot name uh, for things. At least he was for a little while. I feel like he still is. Um. So yeah, this this is cool news. I'm I'm. I feel good about the casting. I especially she knows the character. She knows the uh the feel of the game and and uh all her cues will already be there. She kind of knows what's going on. So it's cool, especially she's I I looked her up. She's like a working actress who's been in stuff recently. I don't have what it is right in front of me, but like so that should be that's a pretty smart move by them and I think it'll pay off. Yeah, especially for that role. I think it's a good enough supporting role. You want to put some names and some star power behind. Uh, Troy Baker was who voiced Joel, and he was really what brought Joel to life, and he doesn't look like Joel. So it would be really hard to bring him 
in or bring somebody. So yeah, throwing Pedro Pascal in, letting him do his thing. I'm super pumped for that show and super fast sidebar on this whole thing. But do you have any interest in jumping back in The Last of Us 2 now that they threw out the PS5 patch? It's running on 4K and 60 frames per second. And Yeah, I did see that. And you've mentioned it on one of our shows before, like that you're not a huge frames per second and resolution guy. It like doesn't hit you to the point where like you notice those huge differences. I feel like I'm the same way. Like if I go back and play that game and I see the PS5 upgrades, I'm probably like, oh man, this game looks great. But it looked great to me before anyway. And like, I don't know if that's enough to go back. I, I mean, full disclosure, I do plan on playing that game again someday. That's how much I enjoyed it. I played through, I, yeah, yeah, it is. I played through the first one two times. So I'm sure I'm going to get to part two again some someday. But the game, without spoiling it for anybody who hasn't played, who might want to play, like that game is so heavy, so like emotionally draining and heavy that it it would be too hard to like – get into that again right now because it's so fresh i've still it's still fresh even though i beat it you know last year or something like that but i i still i want to get to that game eventually and i'm going to but the in the ps5 improvements to the game i i don't think it's enough to bring me back to it like right now but it is cool when i eventually do get to it again knowing that those are there but yeah i don't know that's just kind of how i'm looking at it well, don't even don't even pretend, you know, as soon as we get a release date for this show or a, yeah. or the first trailer, you know, you're going to be putting in Last of Us one again and playing through those games for the third time playing through part one. Yeah, I probably will S- save that for the wait for that remake announcement, because, you know, you're going to buy that game again when they remake that damn thing for PS5, aren't you? I still don't understand. I still don't fully understand that, but i'm yeah i will if a game any game that comes any game that comes out any game that comes out with the last of us attached to it um i'm getting it i mean that's just how we where we're sitting right now they came out with the dlc for the first one if there's a dlc for the second one i'm getting it like i'm gonna play it so 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 last thing you team ellie or team abby that's a conversation for a whole other time, Chris. That's a conversation for a whole other time. I w- I go back and forth on uh, my allegiance. So we've we've talked about it privately before. You, I know which way you lean, at least now. But uh, yeah, let's just say I'm a fan of both. Oh, and and I just a fan of both. I just want to root for everybody. Clap for everyone. <laughs> participation trophy done yeah, I, I yeah. that's what we're that's what we got here that's what we're dealing with last, i love them all love them all love them all last news joker 2 is supposedly further along in development than anybody even dreamed or imagined todd phillips the original director is working on the script this looks like it's a movie that is going to happen don are you ready for joker 2 no <laughs> And that's the end of this story because Chris didn't watch Joker one because I have a problem with it. So, yeah. Yeah. No. Um, to be honest, Joker, I enjoyed more than I thought I would We'll put it that way. I didn't enjoy it in the context of it being a comic book movie. I enjoyed it. I kind of had to separate it from, from the comic history because I have a lot of problems with just the way that movie was brought about. And like, there's not a need for another 
Joker story, especially at this point in time, like, I don't know. I was just kind of worn out on it and I didn't like the premise and like a Joker movie without Batman rubbed me the wrong way. And I know that's the main reason why you still haven't seen it, but uh, I did see it because I just felt like I had to. So I did. And I enjoyed it for what it was. If I separated it from, like I said, the comic, whatever, all my preconceived thoughts about the Joker. And I enjoyed it as its own kind of standalone thing. Um, I know Joaquin Phoenix has won an Oscar for it and a lot of people love it. It's a very divisive movie. Like you either people love it. Some people hate it. Some people think he had the performance, best performance I've ever seen uh, for the Joker or for anything. Um, A lot of people stand by that movie. I think it was fine. This movie no way needs a sequel at all. Uh, For those of us who've seen it, don't need a sequel. The story was told in it's whatever, two and a half hours. It it ended. It's done. I don't see what how, why we need this. It's all to me. It all just boils down to you know Hollywood money. They want to make another you know hit movie. Joker two will be a hit movie. Um, but for me, I just don't need it. That's just my initial thoughts about it. And like I said, I never watched it, so I can't. I really can't talk about it. But just from my understandings with what this thing is, if you tell the Joker origin story and you have that out there what is there left to tell unless you're going to bring Batman in, you know, like without then it's just, it doesn't make any sense. It goes right back to our Craven the Hunter and Sony's thing. You make these movies out of these villains. What what do you do with them? How do you, you know, yeah, an origin is one thing, but how do you make a sequel to a villain? You know, it doesn't make any sense. Granted, there could be other things in there and people who've seen the movie might be able to answer that question better than I can, but Seemed weird. No. At some point, I need to turn it on HBO. It stares at me every time I turn on my HBO. It's like Joker. Just watch me. Just do it. Please. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you. I'm sure you will one day. And I'm not gonna spoil anything for you clearly, but just like believe me when I say it does not need a second movie. It it really doesn't. I don't see any need for it. Um, will I watch it? I mean, probably. That's just how I. <laughs> That's how I get with all of these. Like, well, I don't need that movie. Will I watch it? Uh, yeah, I guess so. But I don't know. So this one's not going to really raise too many um, positive emotions in me. This news, it's I just like, okay, well, I guess you guys are going to do it. If you're going to do it, just do it. And I'll go from there. All right, man, let's move on to some coming attractions. We got a lot yes. of good trailers came out this week, and there may even be some that you guys out there haven't even heard of that you need to check out. So we actually pulled out some really good ones, and there's a bunch that we're going to get to in the coming weeks because so many trailers dropped this week. We couldn't even get to all of them. I know there's a Mark Wahlberg movie out there that the thumbnails I saw of it, I haven't watched the trailer yet, looked pretty cool. There's an M. Night Shyamalan trailer out there. Yeah, Don shrugging his shoulders at me because he's just like, I don't even know what you're talking about. There's tons <laughs> of trailers out there as I was perusing through YouTube, get preparing for us to record today. So, but first up, and the biggest, because I even thought we already talked about the damn thing, which we didn't, Eternals. We finally got the trailer. We've been saying week after week after week, when are we going to get this trailer? This movie was supposed to already be out. It should already be on Disney Plus at this point because it was supposed to come out last year. We're getting Eternals in November of this year, and now we finally got a trailer on, on Monday as Marvel likes to drop all this stuff on Monday after we record. So, Don, the Eternals trailer is here. Did you love it? Was it everything you wanted? To do? <laughs> uh, yeah, like you say, Eternals trailer. Um, the full trailer, unlike the first uh, time they came through and 
falsely advertised it as an Eternals trailer, but it was really the Marvel promo. Mm-hmm. But we did get some good stuff out of that, so I'm, I'm glad that exists. But this is like the actual Eternals trailer. Um, I don't know. I watched this trailer two times. Uh, once right before we recorded to like remind myself, and once when it first came out. My first watch through it, I kind of just felt like, well, a little disappointed. Like I didn't get a lot out of it. Like I can just only compare it to the other recent Marvel trailer we got, which was Shang-Chi. And I got so much more out of Shang-Chi than that. Like um, nothing given away too much, but like enough action to like be really excite me about the movie. And uh, so uh, this Eternals one I felt was like kind of lacking in that lacking in enough action um, I do appreciate that it didn't give away a lot of stuff that's going to happen. So there'll still be a lot of surprises, but I still don't fully know what it's going to be. Like, I don't know what's going on. I, you can, and, but the second, the second time I watched it, I felt a little better about it. I got more of an idea. Like I paid closer attention. Maybe I, I mean, I'm getting the idea. The Eternals are kind of like, they're presenting them as like gods who have been watching over the human yeah. race, like the watchers. And, yeah, so they've been watching over the human race and like something's going to happen where they finally have to take action, whatever the case may be. Um, but they also are kind of making it seem like they've been watching over the entire MCU this whole time. So I'm interested to see what if how they're going to kind of tie it into some of these movies we've had before. Like, where were you guys at during Infinity War? Like all that crap going down. If you're so ready to protect the human race where were you during that and i know maybe that got snapped maybe they did maybe we'll have to find out because you know actually the another thing you'll read is thanos is very tied into the eternals he is an eternal and like he's mixed uh with their enemies who i looked up are called like the deviants they're like the enemies of the eternals they're like the opposing race they've been like butting heads and i guess thanos is a combination of the two in the comics uh so he would actually have been a villain that they could have used for this but they've already used him in the mcu and like he's gone i don't i don't see them bringing him back um who knows though i mean loki's about to deal with time travel maybe they're gonna maybe josh brolin is gonna come back into the mcu who knows that'd be crazy but uh i don't know i felt better about it watching the second time like i'm gonna see it of course uh but kind of with tempered feelings let's put it this way it's the mcu project that i'm like the least juiced for that's that's coming i'm just being honest with it but i'm still gonna see it so oh, yeah and hopefully that lack of anticipation and the low yeah. expectations just blows your mind when you get to go watch right them. i don't know anything about the eternal so the trailer i just saw things happening and said cool looks good I was very thrown off by them deciding to throw the stinger at the end of them telling jokes. And, you know, all of a sudden you had this very, like, you had this, like, theme and this very just seriousness. And then at the end, they're, like, all sitting at a a dinner table eating. And they're just like, well, you know, Tony Stark and Steve Rogers gone. Who's going to leave the Avengers? And you got the dude who we don't know who he is Mm -hmm. say, I could lead them. And everyone laughs. Well, why is that funny? All I see is Rob Stark, who is king of the North. That dude can, he can lead the Avengers, right? Why not? We got Kit, we got Kit Harrington in this in this trailer too as Black yeah. Knight. Man, it's like a Game of Thrones reunion going on. Right. I'm, I love it. 
it it looked cool. I'm sure it's going to be good, good, cool, great. I I have nothing bad to say. Just the trailer just didn't get anything to you know get me super yeah. excited. And with with these Marvel movies, you know that's just like the first of three trailers. So it seems like they'll probably give away more and more and more as we go along, or just like give you a little better idea about what's going on. But at the end of the day, it's a MCU movie, and I see them all, so I'm going to see that one as well. And I'm sure we're going to enjoy it. Uh, next up trailer was Last Night in Soho, which is Edgar Wright's new movie, who previously did Baby Driver and Scott Pilgrim versus The World, as well as he did the uh, Shaun of the Dead and Hot Fuzz and World's End, all of those movies. So if you've ever mm-hmm. watched any of those movies, and they're all great. So if you haven't seen them, you should go watch them, especially Baby Driver, as long as you can stomach uh, Kevin Spacey. Part of the reason why I haven't gone back to that movie, and I love that movie because the way that they use music in that movie is amazing, and it looks like they're going to do the same thing with this one. Uh, but this one stars Thomasin McKenzie and Anna Taylor Joy of Queen's Gambit and New Mutants fame. Uh, she's been showing up in everything lately, and this is looks to be another movie. I can't tell, and I watched this trailer for the second time again today. I do not know what this movie is, man. Like they're showing it. It looks like they're doing time traveling where you have uh thomason's character in the present and then she's going back in time and taking over the body of anna taylor joy and they're like one in the same and then they're going back and forth between the past like the 70s and then present and then trying to figure or even they're going back further in the 70s because they show that like thunderball trailer and what's that that was the 60s i think so they're going way back in time and they're going back and forth. And then it seems like the past is trying to break through into the, and it almost turns into like this horror movie by the end of this trailer. This thing looked phenomenal. What did you think, man? Yeah, dude, it looks really fun. Uh, Edgar Wright. I'm a big fan of as well. <clears throat> uh, all the movies you just named. And this one looks like uh, some new ground for him. Kind of like a, a horror, horror stylized horror movie. And uh I love Anna Taylor Joy. I, I think I even talked about it in the first episode of our podcast. I, I Queen's Gambit, one of my favorite shows of last year. <clears throat> so I'm a fan of hers right now. And uh, I don't know the trailer. This trailer to me, I'm, I feel the same as you that I don't know what's going on, but that's what I like about it. Like there was just enough there to interest you. But I'm going to be going into that movie when I see it. It's like, I don't know, really know what I'm here to see, but I'm excited for some reason. <laughs> like, that's that's a trailer done the right way is not a ton of giveaways, but still enough to be like, I got to see this movie and I don't know why. Yeah. Like, that's that's kind of why what this movie, this trailer made me feel like the mood and the song all fit well and like the atmosphere. And I think uh, I never watched Matt or seen Matt Smith in a lot of things. I know he's a doctor who alumni, but he looks, he's in this movie and that guy, you know, everybody loves that guy. So, uh, doctor who. All right. Just never been my thing. I've never watched it. Uh, but yeah, man, I'm totally interested and I'm sure I'm going to see this movie. Um, probably soon after release. Cause it looks fun. Yeah. It'll definitely be a theater one. I'm going to go see that one. That one looks great. And if you want to see what a trailer is supposed to look like, go look up the trailer for Last Night in Soho if you have not watched it yet or it didn't come across your feed and whatever you peruse. Um, It's definitely worth checking out if it's not on your radar already. Uh, Last up for our trailers was a movie called Gunpowder Milkshake, 
which basically looks like John Wick on estrogen. Like <laughs> yeah. this movie stars Karen Gilliam, Lena Headey, G- Carla. I never know how to say her last name. Her, her name is our Gu- Gu- Gugino. Something. Gu- yeah, something like that. Carla you know Gugino, who we're talking about. Michelle Yeoh and Angela Bassett, and they're all fighting Paul Giamatti. And I'm telling you, if you wanted to make a movie and said, hey, we're going to make a a female Expendables, or we're going to take basically all of the women that you love in film, and we're going to put them in one movie, what would you do? And literally, that is the list. Like, when those (laughs) women pop up in anything, I go, oh, and I immediately am interested in movies, especially Carla Gugino. Which yeah, I, yeah. like it's been 30 years since I fell in love with her watching Son in Law, and I still don't know how to say her name. <laughs> but Michelle Yeoh, like this, this cast is ridiculous. And yes, there's been so many since John Wick came out and just became what it became. So many people have completely, and this is a blatant ripoff. I mean, they're just trying, like John Wick. I don't know how far you got in that series, but John Wick had all the the hotel stuff and all of like the underground like spy assassin thing. And this one looks identical, except for they go to a library instead of a hotel. But it just looks like ridiculous action. And Karen Gilliam just doing her her thing. And this movie just looks awesome to me. What what did you think, man? Well, before I tell you what I think, I have a small confession to make. Uh, one I don't talk about very much because it is a shameful, shameful secret. But I have never seen a John Wick movie. Do you believe me? <laughs> I thought you at least saw one. Uh, no, no. I've never seen John Wick, man. I don't know. Everybody loves those movies. And I've heard every time I tell someone I've never seen John Wick, they're like, what's wrong with you? Why haven't you seen John Wick? I was like, I don't know. It's just one John. of those things that, yeah. What's wrong with you? Why haven't you seen John Wick? <laughs> oh, man. I don't know. And and I've always meant to. It's just like one of these ones where I just keep putting it on the back burner. Like, ah, yeah, I'll get to it. Oh, they're coming out with part three. I got time to watch one and two. And I still haven't watched any of them, but uh, anyway, I'm I'm aware of the John Wick, what it means to people, and like the action, like the stylized action of those movies. And yeah, this does look like uh, something that would be similar to that. Um, a lot of movies came out that are the same way, like you said, Nobody, which I haven't seen, which I still want to see. Uh, yeah, but it, this movie totally looks fun. A lot of action. I like the cast as well. Paul Giamatti's a guy when he pops up I like seeing him and stuff he's just great uh even in his Volkswagen commercials or whatever I don't care he he just does whatever he wants to do nothing and, for, uh, nothing but love for Paul Giamatti man yeah pa- Paul Giamatti for sure and uh so yeah it looks fun I'm I'm interested to see what they do with it and who doesn't love just like a action movie you don't got to think too much about that kind of looks like what we'll be getting here all right, man. Well, I think it's time to talk about some Love, Death, and Robots. Volume 2 just dropped on Netflix here last week, I think it did. Um, volume 1 came out, I believe, last year or even earlier than that or later than that, depending on how you look at time. <laughs> <laughs> but we, Don and I sat here and we decided as unbingers we binged volume one and two it was like 28 episodes 
I think we both regret doing it the way that we did it, but it is how it happened and it's how it's, we're going to bring it to you. But I'm going to go over the overall concept. If you haven't heard love death and robots is basically 28 short animated films. There's some that are animated cartoon style, others that are computer animated, all different kinds of styles of art, artistic animation. Basically it was originally created, I believe by Tim Miller and David Fincher. Is that, they got those names, right? Yeah, Tim Miller and David Fincher. Um, David Fincher, I'm, I know he's a name a lot of people might know. He's He's been very involved in the director of a lot of uh, stuff and creator of a lot of stuff. And for us geeks, Tim Miller, you'll probably know him as like uh, the original concept guy with Ryan Reynolds to make Deadpool. He was like behind Deadpool 1 <clears throat> um, and had his hand in Deadpool 2. Uh, but yeah, he's, he's one of those guys and this is their kind of show together. Um, but it wasn't originally intended to be presented this way. It wasn't a show Miller and Fincher originally, uh, were going to come together to make a reboot or remake of the eighties, uh, film heavy metal, mm. which a lot of people may know, mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> a very innovative groundbreaking, uh, adult, very adult animated movie, uh, that's still, a lot of people um, love to this day uh, for, for what it did for adult animation. Uh, so the original idea was for them to redo that. I guess it kind of got stuck in developmental turmoil throughout the years and took a long time to get where they needed to go. So these two guys eventually took their, said, screw this. We're taking our idea and taking it to Netflix. <clears throat> Excuse me. And uh, so that's what we kind of got here with Love, Death and Robots is it's kind of a deconstructed idea that they originally had for a heavy metal reboot. And, uh, you know, it just seems like they found a bunch of talented animators and, and CGI people to to kind of tell these stories and have it all them all kind of connected, but not really connected. They're all kind of part of the same idea. They all have similar themes and in the same world. Um so yeah, I, I I think a lot of people would find this show cool. Um, it really stretches the bounds of what you think animation can do. Um, for those who are fans of animation, like you'll see things watching these shows that you're just like, I can't even believe I'm watching animation right now. This looks like live action, real people. Like it'll it'll seriously at times blow your mind to the point where the levels that they can take this to. Yeah, they had that one episode with Michael B. Jordan that I'm sitting there just like, dude, it feels like I'm watching a movie. It's just Michael B. Yeah. Jordan right there, <laughs> yeah. which then brings up the whole thing of the whole controversy or the whole story about animation and how much, you know, is everything going to lead to animation or is this, is it getting too close or, you know, where's the uncanny uncanny valley and all that stuff sitting? Yeah, like it's pushing the bounds of <laughs> reality as far as um just how we see things and how far actual things can go and like are robots really going to take over cuz this is how far we've gotten we we can make animation and video games that look like I'm watching real life it's crazy now it's yeah. crazy and there were a lot of these stories about robots taking over so right. <laughs> you ready to jump through some of these we're just going to kind of do a quick yeah talk going through these episodes and i mean i guess overall don how did you feel i mean this was the first time really watching these in, in general did you enjoy yourself was i mean obviously some are going to stand out more than others it's just inevitable but i mean overall the concept did it do anything for you 
Yeah, I, I was a fan of um, a lot of this. Like, I would say there is a lot of standouts to the point of like, you know, really, really good. There's also some that are, you know, kind of I didn't love as much. Uh, and then you got a bunch of them just kind of in the middle where I kind of just like watch through it. But I'd say overall, this show is an achievement um, for what it is. It's like super original idea. You haven't seen something done like this before. A lot of people will um, compare it to the the nickname it's gotten throughout the Internet and stuff is like this is the animated Black Mirror. Yeah, um, because that's kind of like what it makes you feel like a lot of uh, twists and turns at the end and things you didn't expect happen and things you didn't know were going on. A lot of things turn and like mind bending kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I probably liked Black Mirror maybe better, but um, this is this is right up there with it. It's hard to they're not comparable. So all the way. So. I don't know. But yeah, I'm I'm a fan of what I saw what I saw in general. What's crazy is and I know that I I'm going to run a completely opposite of what the consensus was, but I really enjoyed volume 2 a lot more than I did volume 1. And mm-hmm. I don't know if it's just because there was, you know, volume 2 as of right now is only sitting at what 1 2 3 4 5 6 8 episodes, 8 or 9 episodes <clears throat> where volume 2 or volume 1 is dr- jumped to like 18 or something along those lines. So you have, you know, it was a little bit more condensed, but I mean, looking through even just this list right now of volume two of these episodes, I really loved like every one of those episodes. I thought they were all done so well, where then volume one was where you started getting some stinkers or some that were good in their own ways, but they were just there. Yeah. How'd you feel? Wait, wait, volume one or two? Okay. Let's put it this way. There's eight episodes in volume two and there's 18 in volume one. Uh, I think we're going to get more volume two episodes like next year. <clears throat> but when I, I wrote down all these episodes and I like comprise my list, I have, I I have two episodes that stand out to me as like great in volume two. Okay. Great. Now there's good ones in there, but I have two that stand out to me as great. And that's out of eight. So two out of eight volume one. Um, there's 18 episodes and I have, one, two, three, four, five, six episodes that stand out as great. Um, and then the rest are either in the middle or bad. <clears throat> now, I did pick three episodes out of volume one that I thought were bad. And I didn't pick any episodes out of volume two I thought were bad. So I did enjoy every episode of volume two. Um, so it's hard to say which volume I liked better. I mean, I know you're taking your stand with volume two right here, but <laughs> you, you are so much more prepared than me. Like I, I <laughs> you're making me, uh, you're killing me, man. I'm sitting funny. here. You're sitting, you have lists and you have stuff. And I'm just like, you're making me just feel like such a slacker here as I'm just like, well, I'm just going to wing it. God. No, no, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't write down like <laughs> synopsis of each episode and like, well, this is why I think this is good. No, he I has just wrote... a thesis. I'm telling you, Don, right now, he has like a written <laughs> thesis over there of what no, no, each no, episode no. meant to him and how the, each one changed his life. Yeah, it's, uh, it's going to be a conversation. <laughs> none, of, none of these changed my life. I'll guarantee you that much. But no, I just, I just wrote down the names of the episodes and like put a, you know, a check mark by the ones that I thought were, you know, stand out. Well, so 
I have one that should have changed your life, and we'll get to it here in a minute. Okay, let's You'll do never it. Never look at Christmas the same way. Uh, <laughs> spoiler, spoilers, and yes, obviously, spoilers for all of this or whatever we're gonna say. I don't really know what we're gonna say yet, but Don might because he's got it written down. But I do. <laughs> but we're gonna jump through volume two. We're gonna start at the top because that is how we watched them, and that is how Netflix displays them. So once again, to not do extra work. We're going to start at the top. But volume two, man. First episode we both saw of Love, Death, and Robots was called Automated Customer Service about a home cleaning vacuum cleaner that wanted to murder an old lady and her dog. Did this one bring you in, Don? <laughs> Were you just like, what is happening? <laughs> Why am I watching this? Yeah. I'm like you. The first, um, this was the first, well, no, I think you'd actually saw some of volume one before. I saw a couple, like two of volume one I watched. And okay. actually, the first episode of volume one that I did watch is one of my favorite ones. So we'll get to it here in a minute. But anyway. Okay. Yeah. Automated customer service. This was the first episode I watched of the series uh, because I unknowingly watched it this backwards because I wasn't paying attention to how Netflix put it on there. So I just started at the top of the list and got through all of volume two before I realized I hadn't watched volume one yet, which doesn't matter because it's not like a show like that where you need to watch them all to understand. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, automated customer service. It was it was fun. Um, I feel like there's one episode in each volume where like humor is the main attraction of the episode so this episode was that to me for mm -hmm. volume two like the one that depended on humor to get you through it um humor but also a sense of dread which <clears throat> is a theme throughout this entire series is like a sense of dread and i feel like when you feel that uh it makes the it, it's part of what makes this show enjoyable but i enjoyed automated customer service enough i mean the animation it's kind of goofy um compared to some of the later episodes um not as realistic computer animation some of these episodes go for like the more traditional animation and then some are computer generated this is one that's like computer generated where you um like you compare it to watching like a pixar movie or a dreamworks movie that's the kind of feel you get from this so Nothing too crazy about the animation in this one, but it yeah, was but the, funny. The proportions are off. So it has that right. cartoon style where it's like the faces are longer and they don't they didn't go for like picture perfect humanity. Yeah. No, they didn't. They they kind of did their own take on their characters and that's that's cool. So I thought it was all right. It was funny. It was a good way to start volume two. It had it had some decent humor in it. It was it was humorous. And that yeah. idea, I, I was a self-contained story in 12 minutes. I mean, I really, I enjoyed, I enjoyed it. I thought it was a fun way to, to get reintroduced for me back into yeah. what we were doing here. So, I mean, it was, a, it was entertaining. Um, it was entertaining. We, yeah. That's what we're a, looking for. Yeah, uh, exactly. Next episode was titled Ice, which is two, bro two brothers who are far from home on another planet uh, join a genetically modded locals in a deadly race. So you basically had all these characters that were like modded in some way to make them superhuman. And then they did this crazy race across the ice with whales. And I loved the art style for this one. Like, I don't know, just the way that they did the animation. It was, it was unique. Yeah. Yeah. The, the jump between in animation styles between this and automated customer service was kind of like wow the, this show is going to be all over the place because this is my first experience with those two episodes 
and I was like, man, this is cool. I was a fan of the animation too. Um, I did read later on, you go to find out that the same team that did this episode, Ice, did volume one, the episode Zima Blue, which was like the last one. Same director, same animation, and you can kind of tell when looking at them both. Since you prepared and you're telling me this for the first time, yeah, man. (laughs) (laughs) I totally see it. Yeah. Uh, We haven't talked about volume one yet, but like we'll get into it later. I thought this one was kind of a little less entertaining to me than Zima Blue. Uh, but it was, I had fun with it. It was, it was cool. Um, this one helped cause it was gorgeous. I mean, like I said, yeah. the animation, the colors, the big whales coming through the ice, like the way oh, yeah. that this one was really put together. Um, the general story, you know, I mean, it had everything in the 13 minutes that it ran. And I mean, when you cut out credits, it's like 11 and yeah. they just really, they hit a lot of good beats and it was just gorgeous. So it was easy to watch, even if it was missing some emotional punch. Yeah. Them. Yeah, that was definitely good. It was good. I liked it. Uh, next up was Pop Squad, which is a cop charged with fighting the scourge of over overpopulation is haunted by the human toll of his work. So you basically had this whole world that was set up in the future where to limit population, they basically told people, hey, you can't have kids anymore, but you'll live forever. And so, mm-hmm. however way that they do it with some kind of like chemical thing. And then you had a, these police forces that were going around enforcing this. So, you know, you had these people that were giving up immortality to breed. And it was this whole like war. And then you, fo- you were following this cop who was basically going and finding all these breeders now being like haunted by all of the things that he's done to try to keep the world a utopia in which it was. Um, how'd you feel about this one, man? Well, earlier when I told you, I put like check marks next to the ones I thought were standouts. Like this was my first one I marked as being a standout episode. Uh, just everything from the synopsis you just gave, like how original is that? Is that concept? Like who thinks of that to make a story like this? Um, <clears throat> and the, the animation, this was like the first one. So I saw this one third then clearly since I watched volume two first and like the animation, the CGI in this one just kind of like blew me away. Like I'm watching, I'm watching this like hyper realistic animation that looks like a cutscene of the best video game you've ever played all just for, you know, 18 minutes of an episode. And or uh, is it a movie? You can't even, you can barely tell at some point parts. Right. Right. Yeah. Just like, the story was great. Um, the, I loved the concept, the the visuals, the the guns being fired, and like everything was just like super top notch. And like the ending, you know, we're it not was emotional. Do... It was an emotional <clears throat> yeah. ending. It, it 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 evoked in the eighteen minutes. It evoked emotion. Yeah, most definitely. So um, I I loved this one, and I I meant to rewatch it again so I could talk about it a little more in depth. I didn't have really the time to do it, but I I would say this is like to me if not the best, probably the standout episode in volume two. I I can really agree with you on that one. This one was really a standout one. Um, Not a standout one because I cannot tell you what the hell happened in this one is Snow in the Desert, the fourth episode, which is the subtitle here is Every Bounty Hunter in the Galaxy Wants a Piece of Snow. I cannot for the life of me remember (laughs) what this episode was about. So if you remember anything, Lay it on me, man. <laughs> I mean, I rem- <laughs> yeah, that's uh if you're just going by the synopsis, you would have no idea. And it's been a while since I watched that one. So like I I don't remember much about it either, man. Yeah. I I I do remember he was like uh 
kind of a <clears throat> albino-ish looking oh, guy. Oh, yeah, dude, yeah. I liked this one. Oh, okay. Yeah, with the albino dude in the, yeah, they had the bounty hunters that were all trying to find him <laughs> for all his, like, war crimes, and then that chick showed up. This one was cool, man. <laughs> I just... yeah, or she was like a robot. Yeah, it was cool. It, it, yeah, it was fine. Not as not as great as Pop Squad, but I but thought But the it was animation cool. was good. Like Oh, Oh yeah, definitely. The animation in this one was maybe the best of the of the whole volume too. Yeah. Like this is the one where you're really looking at it and be like, I'm just watching real actors. I'm watching people. Like this isn't even animation. This is just people. And I believe this is the first one where we saw animated boobies. Sure. <laughs> right. <laughs> sure. The animated boobies just and yeah made their premiere and they might have made their premiere if you watch them like the way we did backwards. If you watch yeah. volume one, then you saw lots of animated boobies. Oh yeah, for sure. Anim- but uh, they, they were definitely they were definitely doing it in this one. They were doing the nasty. Yeah, yeah. So if you <laughs> cannot handle animated people doing the nasty, this episode is not for you. Uh, but this one was solid. But it was fine. Um, yeah. Next up was the tall grass, which was during a journey across the prairie, a man became transfixed by distant ghostly lights. Um, this one was pretty cool. I I I like the animation. Of this one, this one was a lot more Pixar isque, like you know, with the proportions of the characters. But we had this dude who kind of this train was on a train ride, and the train stops in the middle of these just fields of tall grass, and there are these lights going in there, and this guy becomes transfixed, and he goes out there, and next thing you know, creatures are attacking him. And this one turned out to be fun. I was a little thrown off because it was so similar to that Stephen King movie that's up on Netflix. And yeah, it was, it was confusing in that way where I'm like, this is just that. But is it not like I couldn't tell. So I spent a lot of time trying to re-remember that movie that I really yeah. don't remember enjoying. So I almost think I enjoyed the short better than that movie. But what do you think, man? That was my thing with this episode is everything you said is true, except it is. I mean, you did say it. it is so similar to that Stephen King movie, which I think was just called into the tall grass. Mm. So it's just like adding one word to the title of this. I don't know which one came first or what the deal is, but like they're super close in concept. And I hated, hated that Stephen King movie. I hated it on Netflix. Like it was to me like terrible. So like I held that, against this episode while watching it. i was like this is just like that shitty movie i don't like <laughs> that i was watching so i don't even want to like this but i mean it was it was fine but just like it, it brought up too much uh too much feelings of me watching that movie that i hated so much again so i don't know maybe i'll have to go back and watch the tall grass again later to fully appreciate it. the animation like you said was was cool and i don't know that's all i really got on it that's all there really is to it i mean if <laughs> yeah. you watch that movie you know it was very similar to that but this was a cool version of it and the creatures looked were cool had some good suspense so it was entertaining i did enjoy it but yes it was not the most original idea right. to come across um speaking of original ideas we then had all through the house which is takes place on christmas eve where two kids tiptoe downstairs to catch a glimpse of santa it's a twisted tale for adults only, according to Netflix. And this was basically showing a Santa Claus that we never saw before. How'd you feel about all through the house with the uh, creature Santa? <laughs> I loved this episode. This episode was just okay. so, so good. 
Yeah, we we've been going through these, and I've been going first. You seem to love this one. You tell me your thoughts on Dude, this first. This one was just because we we ran through, and I'm gonna spoil all of this one. Like you just <laughs> you run through, and you just have these kids, and you're just like Christmas, and it just feels like this like Disney Christmas special. And these kids are going downstairs and they're getting all pumped up to try to sneak a glimpse at Santa. Santa's here. Santa's here. And then all of a sudden you see this like they're trying to get this glimpse of Santa. And all of a sudden they see this tongue come out from behind the tree and drink all of the milk and then eat all the cookies. And then it's this grotesque creature that looks like it belongs in a Guillermo del Toro movie. And then it walks over to the kids and looks at them. And then it goes, you've been nice and it like vomits up a present (laughs) yeah and then it does it to both kids and both kids were luckily nice and then it had the perfect tag at the end of this episode where these kids are horrified laying in bed after they got their perfect christmas present after this monster vomited it out and the little boy asks hey what would have happened if we were bad and that's just like man what would have happened and that's just (laughs) i don't know that whole episode was just fun and simple it was only a seven minute short so it was really easy to watch and it just it kept you engaged and it had a i just i really enjoyed this one i thought it was funny no i did i did like this one too the strongest thing of it for me was seven minutes that was Mm -hmm. like beautiful i was like i think the shortest one we had so far i was like that's all it needed though you didn't have you didn't have to go too much further with it it got like its entire story and point across uh yeah, it was it was definitely fun. This is one I could imagine being like a episode you go back and revisit during like the Christmas season. Yeah, to be like show someone to and be like when you're in that Christmas spirit, like here's a little short Christmas thing that I think is freaking awesome, just like a horror uh, monster Christmas kind of a thing. So I could see myself, you know, sitting down with the wife around Christmas, and be like, let's watch all through the house love death and robots because it's christmas eve <laughs> you yep. know what i'm saying you watch that on christmas eve followed by krampus and you had a good yeah. night there you go <laughs> uh next up was that was a episode called life hutch which surprisingly had michael b jordan in it doing i'm assuming some motion capture and i even double checked because i mean it looked exactly like him so i'm like there's no way this isn't michael b jordan but i did check in the credits i did watch the credits for this episode to see if it was and obviously it was um but this one is about a pilot who crash lands on a craggy planet and he makes his way to shelter only to face a threat within so michael b jordan fighting a robot how'd you feel about this one man yeah he was kind of fighting like a robot dog or something wasn't it Mm-hmm. Um, and he had the, the only way he could stay alive is if he pretended to be dead because mm-hmm. I guess the robot kind of like was based off of movement. It would attack anything that moved. So if he stayed completely still, he like wouldn't be hurt and he had to figure out a way uh, to take this thing down. Uh, I don't remember the all the details on like how this episode ended, but I thought it was like a visual achievement. It was cool. Like you said, uh, the use of motion capture and Michael B. Jordan in there to add some star power to it. Love Michael um, B. Jordan. Yeah. Who doesn't love Michael B. Jordan? Um, your next Superman, maybe. Uh, but yeah, this episode was cool. Um, but I don't know. I don't really I, have too much on it. but Yeah, I enjoyed this episode. It was, like I said, a technical achievement. It was a good time. My problem with it came from that the story was almost identical to the first one, the automated vacuum cleaner that was trying to kill the lady. Like, it was the exact same story of just AI malfunctioning and trying to kill the owner. 
Yeah, so I was just like, I just watched an episode that was just about this. So by the time I got to this one, I was just like, I already saw this next. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was my only real problem with it. Um, it was it was still entertaining. It was more suspenseful. It obviously had a different tone than the vacuum cleaner that was killing the old lady. But it was, uh, to me, it made it repetitive. I can feel that, yeah. And yeah. then last up for volume two, unless you had anything else on that one. No, no, no. Go on. Last up on volume two was The Drowned Giant, um, which was about the body of a colossal young man who washed ashore and becomes an object of fascination for the locals. So this is almost kind of like a weird Gulliver's Travel thing where this this giant body washes up on the shore and all these people don't really know what to do. And it's narrated by this guy who's like studying it. And uh, this was an interesting way to end the season, technically, or the volume, I guess. How would you feel about the drowned giant? Well, when I made my list of volume two, this was my second episode I put as like a standout for this show. Um, just because it was so different. Like yeah. there was no, there was no crazy shooting, no crazy aliens, no crazy action. It was just like a, a self-contained story with this giant body that washed ashore. And like this, the narration throughout the whole thing was like something new that we hadn't seen yet. It was beautiful. Dude, that's what I'm, that's what I'm saying. It was like the, the way, <clears throat> just the way it was presented was beautiful. And I like, it, it was one of these episodes where like, I kind of, transported myself there and like how would i feel if something like this was going and the entire episode i'm sitting there waiting for this thing to wake up and like do whatever it's gonna do and i'm like it's not gonna happen but just look at this thing like how crazy would it be walking around the corpse of a giant and the, just the way they perfectly made it look and like took you in took you in there just like sucked me in like this episode sucked me in the most of any of these and I still don't even really know how because there's no crazy shooting space spaceships. There's nothing like that. It's just like, oh, I don't know, a wild. It was wild. Um, and, you know, the giant never ended up waking up. It decomposed and whatever. Uh, but just, just like, was a moment in time. Yeah, it was a moment in time. And I feel like it's a commentary on um, some different things like the way we feel about death and process death and like can move past things so easily. Like uh, it was this huge story to everyone at the beginning and they're so interested and just how, how quickly everyone just doesn't care anymore. And it like fades away. And um, I don't know if you want to read more, if people want to read more into that and, and decide what this episode's trying to say, but it, it's definitely one that's going to be thought provoking and like, just make you think long after watching it. And that was what I enjoyed about volume two more than volume one is it had those moments, you know, that one we talked about, what was it? The pop culture one or the, pop squad pop squad pop squad the drowned giant um you know those i mean those were the main two standouts obviously for the season but they they seemed like as we were about to get into volume one volume two really seemed like they really wanted to sit on emotion and really more thought-provoking where volume one really is more about like hey we're gonna fight monsters we're gonna fight robots we're gonna do this and we're just gonna kind of hit the same themes and volume two they really did try to branch out and diversify what they were trying to do so i'm really excited for more volume two when they decide to drop more episodes because i really think that if they can continue that trend like that was a good mix of eight episodes that all varied in style outside of like you said the uh, the life hutch with michael b jordan and the automated customer service with the old lady with the vacuum cleaner those are the only two that like crossed over each other 
where volume one has a lot that crosses over, which then becomes monotonous. And if they can continue that emotion, emotional reach, um, I think more volume two is going to be extremely successful. Yeah. The more we're sitting here talking about it, like I chose more standouts from volume one, but when I'm looking back over them, I'm like, man, maybe not as much. Cause like volume two did just, it was, it was more thought provoking. Like, like you were just kind of touching on, it just made you sit, you could sit after an episode and like, think about what you just saw and try to analyze it to yourself where we'll get into volume one where, I mean, it didn't have too many of those. There's a couple here and there, but the ones I really liked for volume one were just because of like the visual achievements and like the, I thought they were like fun and action packed, but like volume two had more ones that just like made you kind of sit and go, huh, you know what I'm saying? So things that make you go, hmm, things that make you go, hmm. <laughs> to, quote our, to quote our friends in CNC Music Factory. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. All right. Volume one started with the three robots, which was a hilarious. That episode cracked me up where you had uh, long after the fall of humanity, three robots embark on a sightseeing tour of post apocalypse apocalyptic city so these three robots go through a tour of a destroyed city to cipher through the remains of humanity and they just kind of comically talked about the things that we take so seriously and i really this episode made me actually laugh a couple times out loud and uh this was a good time what do you think about the three robots yeah i'm with you it was it, this was the episode in this volume that was like the com- comedic one uh, fun, funnily enough that both volumes start off with their comedy episode um yeah but i i had fun with this one um jerry seinfeld is like one of my favorite comedians and his thing was always to like take your everyday things and make commentary on them like mm-hmm. talk about things in a funny way that you don't that you normally don't think about and after you hear the joke you're like oh my gosh why didn't i think of it that way that's kind of like what this episode did like take things we take for granted and don't think about in certain ways like this is how three robots from the future or from some robot future would look at the things we look at every day yeah and that was that was cool that's what you know that's what the humor in this kind of came from like with the cats and everything it was it was a it was a good episode yeah, I, I really enjoyed that one. It's honestly one that you really just have to watch because we cannot do it justice for the from the humor and the uh, the feeling that this one had. You just have to check it out because it was it was funny of just watching robots figure out the fall of humanity. And it was, yeah. it was in a comical way. And it was a good time. For sure. Uh, then we got a little bit more serious with Beyond the uh, Aquila Drift. Uh, was basically about a crew that awakens after traveling light years off course and a ship's crew struggles to discover just how far they've come. Mm-hmm. This one was all over the place. Yeah. This, this is kind of like one of my throwaway ones a little bit um, because I can tell it didn't stand out to me because I can't really remember much to talk about this, it. This, this was the one where, yeah, you had the pilot who woke up, but then there was the woman that he had an affair with. Oh, that right, was just right, like right. there, and then they just spent a lot of time banging, and then yeah. he kept trying to figure out who they were, and then they were trying. Then it seemed like they were so off course that basically turned into like a Matrix scenario where he was oh. just like plugged in into a fantasy where he would just bang this hot chick, and it just kind of was yeah. The, the the real reality ended up being he's in like some kind of hell or something, and like 
the thing controlling this is like some kind of devil or demon and that's Creature like the re- thing, yeah 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 just uh, walked off in space it was interesting the animation was cool it was like once again animated boobies and all kinds of just i mean everything so yeah cheers to that if that's your thing <laughs> um so i mean it was just a lot but yeah overall it was just kind of like okay you know there it was what it was yeah that's all i got on that that one uh next up was ice <clears throat> age that actually was half animated half live action because it starred topher grace our good friend venom and uh, uh mary elizabeth weinstead who were basically a couple that moved into a new apartment and they had the land owner left an old fridge there and when they opened up it, it there was a living civilization within the antique freezer and this one was kind of fun for what it was it was just they were obsessed with watching basically civilization go with um it was kind of it reminded me of that simpsons episode when lisa yes. that halloween yes. that halloween episode where lisa simpson like had the culture of something and then a whole civilization like just popped up yeah, it was basically that story just done now. Yeah, that's that's a good way to look at it because it was very similar to that Simpsons episode, classic Simpsons episode. But uh, yeah, we get Venom and Ramona are from Scott Pilgrim married in this one. This is the only one where it was kind of a mix between uh, live action and animation, which is cool. Um I didn't take a ton from this one either. It was it was an interesting story, but they didn't. Yeah. This one they didn't really give you an ending. It just kind of ended, and you're like, okay, what was the point? Yeah, yeah. It was fun, and it was it was like cute how they did it, and it was sure. fun. But yeah, I, I would have wanted a little bit more just to know what happened at the end. Yeah, I'm with but you. It was cool. Uh, then next up was Sunny's Edge, which is about an underground world of beastie fights. Sunny is unbeatable as long as she keeps her edge. So it was basically almost like robot wars, but with monsters where people would just sick out, have chicken, you know, cockfights in the uh, battle with giant monsters and they would fight each other out. This one was cool. Yeah, I did like this one. The the fight sequences inside the um, when the two beasts were fighting, a lot of that was great. Like there were some really cool scenes where I was like, oh my God, like the, the, uh, sequences where they're impaling each other and the blood and just the, the fight itself was fantastic. Um, the, the episode ended with, you know, kind of a couple different twists they wanted to throw at you. And, um, yeah, I, I had fun with this one for sure. Yeah. This was actually the first one I think I remember watching. Okay. And, uh, because I think this was technically the first episode of Volume 1 when it actually dropped, dropped. So, if I remember correctly. But they mixed it all up. But this one was fun. Like, the animation was cool. It had a good story. It definitely set you up for what you were getting into within this show. Or what the show was capable of after following the three robots. I remember watching Sunny's Edge and going, whoa, this is way different. So, yeah, yeah. This was cool. It- it showed the if you're if you were watching volume one in this order like this was the first one that was just like whoa this is like this show's bonkers man they're going for some heavy heavy adult gore kind of stuff and like man they're they're just doing a lot of crazy crazy stuff that was that was definitely sunny's edge yeah sunny's edge was a good time uh next up was when the yogurt took over which is a very uh oh god i spaced on the name of the book road trips guide to the galaxy what's it oh yeah i think that's something uh 
uh, uh, Hitchhiker's Guide. Hitchhiker's Guide. Good Lord. The book <laughs> literally sitting like on a bookshelf 20 feet from me. And I cannot remember. Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. It felt like a very kind of like humorous just narration over the fact of when we allowed as humanity yogurt. Yes, the dairy treat that we all partake in from time to time, unless we're lactose intolerant, took over the world and what happened with yogurt. And it was humorous and it was cute and it was only six minutes. So it was fine. This is one of the, this is one of the episodes where I fell asleep because <laughs> we were, because <laughs> we were trying to watch them uh, late at night and I fell asleep during this one and I never really got back to it. So it was like, I can't comment too much on when the yogurt took over, but I'll take your word for whatever you say about it. It was fine. It was, it had a couple of chuckles. It was, was what it was. I, I, I got nothing else to say about when the yogurt takes over. And next up, which I think was one of the last ones I actually watched was the secret war, which is about elite units of the red army face an unholy evil deep in the ancient forests of Siberia. This was just fighting monsters. Yeah, um, <clears throat> there wasn't a lot like thought provoking about this one, but I did like it. Um, the this is like the Russian, kind of like a Russian mercenary group having to take on creatures and uh, a lot of cool visuals in this one. Uh, a lot of cool action. If if you're looking for action when you turn on this show, this might be one you want to go right to. Um, a lot of fun. Just a lot of fun. It was fun. Um, but there wasn't story. It was just action. Basically, that's what I would kind of say about it. All right. Next up, man, Sucker of Souls. <laughs> Sucker of Souls. Um, basically, Sucker of Souls. the synopsis for this one is unleashed by an archaeological dig. I've been drinking too much. Yeah, this third, this third beer is going to kill me. Uh-oh. Unleashed by an archaeological dig, a bloodthirsty demon battles a team of mercenaries armed with cats. Question mark? <laughs> <laughs> this one was fine. I, this I enjoyed. I'll give you the one positive for this one is I like that it was animated cartoon style. Like yeah. I liked I liked the animation. I liked when they would take a break from the computer and you would get like a cartoon or more artistic style. So I enjoyed yeah. that everything else about it was kind of just fine it was they were like digging up archaeological it ended up they were dug up vampires like dracula and they, they were afraid of cats so they ran around with cats i really can't tell you how this one ended i this was the last one i watched last night at like 1 30 in the morning i don't remember how it even ended yeah i'm with you on your thoughts about the animation style i'm glad it was like a going back to traditional animation as well um nothing i remember too much about the story just like vampire creature kills kid big burly mercenary and team of wise cracking teammates have to figure out how to kill it or escape uh nothing crazy i mean it was it was fine 13 minutes not too long so um yeah kind of in the middle for me yeah it exists it exists it was yeah. entertaining i probably will never watch it again as the creator of sucker of souls is listening to our podcast right now crying like what did i do these guys did <laughs> this is everything to me <laughs> sorry uh, sucker of souls creator 
Uh, next up was The Witness. After seeing a brutal murder, a woman flees from the killer through the streets of a surreal city. This was like, yeah. you remember that video game Mirror's Edge? No. Oh, there's like this weird, it was like a parkour video game where you ran around. It was like a first person parkour video game where you would run around and parkour around a city in a video game. I'm going to see how many times I can say that. <laughs> parkour, 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 parkour. And for whatever reason, this, this episode reminds me of that I loved the animation in this episode and that's about it. Okay. Yeah. I, I thought this one was all right. Um, the animation was cool. Uh, a little too much of like this main female character running around like nude and topless, like the stripping scene where she's like, you see like full animated, full nudity is like, all right, we get it. You guys are going for like some really adult stuff. Um, the twist at the end is, was kind of interesting. Like kind of gave you a groundhog day feel like they're going to just keep redoing this over and just over and over. Swapping roles where now right. he's going to chase her and then she's yeah. going to chase him. Chase him. Yeah. So that was cool, that part. But uh, yeah, the animation I thought was really neat and um, It was very fun. stylized. Yeah, definitely very stylized. Like uh, uh, a cool, the city, the city is like basically its own character and like was cool. Just a lot of the running through and running around. And I thought it was, I thought it was fine. Just a little too much on the, uh, I didn't need all the, you know, animated nudity and shit but, in this one. But And I can't think of the word right now. And I've been trying really hard since you said it to think about it, but it just felt like, yeah, it was too much. And it almost felt like you were objectifying. Like I, yeah. you know, where's the line of where you're just objectifying female nudity. <laughs> and this episode right. seemed like it towed it. Yeah. I agree with that. It's like a, a little bit to get your point across is whatever, but just like, come on, just like running and over and over and the whole thing. Like, I get it. I get what you're trying to say. Like enough, you know, that's kind of how I felt. So, yeah, it was fine. But like I said, the <clears throat> stylized animation and they just like the backgrounds were always changing and stuff. It was really, it almost felt like you were hallucinating. It was kind of cool. So I did enjoy the animation. Uh, yeah. Next up was suits and no, it's not the H USA show. It's some other animated thing about a community of farmers who use their homemade mechs to defend their families from an alien invasion. This one was fun. It was just another alien invasion fighting creatures, but you had farmers in, you know, big mechs fighting them. It was cool. Yeah. I don't know why I can't explain my reasoning behind my thoughts, but like this one, I really, really liked like yeah. just something about like the, the animation. It yeah, was fun. It was super yeah. fun. <clears throat> Compared, like, compiled with the, I like the, just, uh, the idea of, like, these farmers who we look at as being, like, just, you know, down home country people, but this group of farmers in whatever dystopian future this is have to also build, like, these super technical, mechanical exoskeleton fighting suits to, like, ward off alien invasions from their farms. Like, I was like, who comes up with this stuff, man? And just, like, I was a fan of the cartoon when we were kids. Was it called Exo Squad? Where it's like, <laughs> uh, yeah, <laughs> guys got into these big mechs, and I also like that. So I was like, man, this is this is cool. I thought I thought that episode was pretty damn good. Um, it wasn't all it wasn't like all super crazy CGI, but um, enough to the point where it was like just fun. It was just it was, it was cartoony CGI, which was cartoony fun. CGI. Yeah, that's what I wanted to say. Um, 
So yeah, I it was 17 minutes, so a little bit on the long side, but uh, definitely fun. I liked I liked suits. Yeah, it was fun. Yeah, there's no other word to put it. It was super fun. The animation was obviously great, as is the case with all of these. Like say cartoony, I liked it. It was good. Yep. Uh, next up was Good Hunting. The son of a spirit hunter forges a bond with a shape shape shifting hooligang. Is that what yeah. it says? Yeah, that's I don't know okay. what that means, but yeah. <laughs> this one This one is all over the place for me. Okay. I loved the beginning. I loved yeah. that it was animated like cartoon. I don't know if there's another way to say that. Computer animated or just animated cartoon. I don't know if people right, right, understand. Right. But this one was more like anime style. And it was just kind of very Asian influenced where you just had this creature that would show up in the form of a beautiful woman to seduce men, but then would turn into a cat fox thing. And then there were hunters and it just kind of went. But then the longer this episode went on, the weirder it got. Yeah. By the end of this episode, you had this just like nice relationship between this like boy hunter and this creature shapeshifter. But then by the end, you're just like, there's this dude who can only get aroused by robots and needs to turn this woman into a robot. Like, what happened in this episode? Like, yeah. it really started off being, like, my favorite episode and somehow shifted into, like, all right, you went too far. They jumped a shark somehow in a 17-minute episode. Yeah, I can feel that. Uh, the end of this episode did kind of go off the rails. Like, once they decided they wanted to combine... Um, the the like steampunk uh, elements yeah like it started becoming more like steampunk cyberpunk whatever you want to say like into these themes which is a good idea but i feel like the way they went about it would just made it kind of messy mm -hmm. like it just felt kind of messy towards the end um the animation was was really cool i'm with you at the beginning i was super like into it like man this is great it reminded me of like people who are familiar with like the studio Gilby movies, Glibly movies. Mm -hmm. It, it, it kind of had all those feels, which, you know, if you're a fan of, you'd love to see. Um, but yeah, all in all, I enjoyed this episode. Oh yeah. But, but it was, it was messy. It definitely was. Yeah, like to I get said, to once you time. got to the, the dude who could only get erect from robots, I was like, all right. We yeah, all that was... over the place. Now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't need to see his animated erect penis because he's looking at a robot. I'm just like, all right, right. That that was that was like, I've had enough of you. <laughs> yeah, I'm just like, all right, episode, you've jumped a shark. But it was, I'm, it was, but it was still once again gorgeously animated. Yeah. Uh, next up was the dump. Ugly Dave calls the garbage dump home, and he's not about to let some city slicker take it away from him. What do you think of the dump, man? Where we had the uh, hillbilly who had a sex robot who <laughs> who had a guardian angel in the dump so no one would take yeah. his home this one doesn't resonate with me too much um it was just kind of a their episode like hillbilly robots in a dump and uh monster chasing made out of garbage monster made out of garbage and uh you know visually fine great but nothing it, i can it say it looked too much like about one this. of those pixar shorts that would be in front of a disney movie like the right. 10 minute just like no 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 and it i mean yeah. that's what it looked like from the animation obviously the content wasn't gonna make it in front of a picture no no movie. no but 
it's just what it looked like. It was just a short. It exists. I was entertained when I watched it more than others, but it still is nothing to write home about. Nope. Uh, same way with me. Uh, next up after that was Shapeshifters. Deep in Afghanistan, two Marines with supernatural powers face a threat from one of their own kind. Uh, so this was basically werewolves in Afghanistan. That's the perfect uh, <laughs> explanation for this one. Werewolves in Afghanistan. Um, you know, an American werewolf in London, American werewolf in Afghanistan. That was pretty much. That's pretty much I don't, what we why got. they didn't use that title. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Not, not too much to this one for me either. It was, it was fine. The uh, fight scene at the end, the, the werewolves all fighting it out was cool. It had some cool visuals, but uh, very military themed in the beginning. Um you know, kind of some realistic situation. It seems like soldier situations, which are, is something different that other episodes hadn't done. But uh, I don't know. I can't say too much about shapeshifters, really. No, it once again gorgeously animated. Yeah, but was fine. <laughs> we can leave it there. <laughs> yep the the fight scene with the werewolves was cool. I agree with you on everything that you said. Yeah. Uh, next up, and I swear we're getting towards the end, guys. Fish night. <laughs> After their car breaks down in the desert, two salesmen take a dreamlike voyage to the dawn of time. I loved this one. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this one, I, it was just, once again, it was, as we've said, <clears throat> this one stepped away from the normal tropes that this show does have. The robots, the fighting creatures, the, you know, futuristic. This one was just beautiful. And it just had these two guys and they really kind of set this question that I've never thought about before where they said, hey, you know, if a if a ghost can haunt a house that they used to live in, why can't fish or creatures haunt the ocean that used to exist here? And just that's pretty much what the premise of this was, was that these ghosts of these fish would just kind of show up in the desert where it used to be the ocean floor. And they, I, I honestly can't even tell you how this one ended. But I can tell you that it was just the way that was animated and the dreamlike quality and just the way that it was done was beautiful. Yeah, I'm with you. This was a, this was a pretty good one, man. Um, the visuals of this one were what really struck me, like as being you know super. It, it, it really sucked you into what they were trying to do, and just it's stepping away from um, what we'd been seeing, just like fighting shooting aliens robots this one had more of a um you know original innovative story kind of to it that that was refreshing after seeing some of the previous episodes it went for emotion um, and sometimes yeah. that's nice you know i yeah i love action and i love ripping stuff apart and doing yeah. some of that stuff but this one just kind of went for just like beauty and sometimes yeah. it's, when it's done right it's done right yeah that's why i'm hoping volume two the second half when that eventually comes out takes its cues from some of these um, episodes more similar to that. You know what I'm saying? So, Do you remember we'll how this one ends? No. I was thinking that when you just said you didn't remember, I was like, I do I? I don't think I do either. I remember the one dude got ate by the shark. I don't remember shit after that. <laughs> no. no idea how this one ends. That one, it might be worth a rewatch there, Fish Night. Fish Night was definitely still one of, even though I cannot tell you how it ends, it was one of my more enjoyable ones. Uh, following that up was Helping Hand, stranded in orbit, an astronaut must choose between life and limb before her oxygen runs out. This one was kind of crazy. Once again, this one was kind of original. It was kind of like, 
was that movie with Sandra Bullock? Gravity. It was mm-hmm. kind of like Gravity, where you just have this astronaut who's out there trying to survive in harsh conditions, but she goes way further than Sandra Bullock ever did to stay yeah. alive. And uh, what do you think about Helping Hand, man? <laughs> yeah, some of it was crazy. Like towards once we're getting there towards the end, what she had to do to uh, survive. Um, I think I mentioned early in our talk about the series, like a sense of dread throughout the whole thing. That's kind of what I had in this one from, from the point where she got knocked off of her station, was floating into space. Like, what is she going to do all the way up until the end to like what she had to do to survive? Um, the animation in this one is right on par with all the other top ones of this series. It was really cool. Uh, my only one complaint I have is spoilers for those who haven't watched it. She does have to break part of her arm off to survive to like throw into the, um, spaceship or whatever. Mm -hmm. But remember the first thing she did was try to take off her glove and use that as the thing to throw. But since that didn't work, she had to break off her arm. Like, why wouldn't she just take off her other glove on her other hand before breaking her arm off? Cause then she, cause the other arm was dead. So she wouldn't be able to throw it. She couldn't move that arm. No, the other glove. Why didn't she, uh, wait. you needed another hand. She needed a hand to take that glove off. She didn't have another hand. Oh, her hand boy. was dead. I guess you're right. My okay. problem, if you want to, if you want to mm. nitpick problems with this episode, and I just watched that Netflix movie Stowaway with Anna Kendrick and a bunch of other people that are awesome, Daniel Day Kim and stuff. But I'm sorry, but she would have been tied into the spaceship. Like, I'm, you might have little boosters or whatnot, but I'm sorry if I'm in space and NASA yeah. would never allow someone to just be unattached. Un- untethered right yeah she would have been tethered to that thing so whenever the little screw decided to hit her and cause all that damage she still would have been tied to the machine like she wouldn't have just drifted off into space i mean i believe nasa's main goal is to make sure people don't drift off into space <laughs> yeah you're actually right about that she would that have been was tied. that was my only problem i'm like well why wouldn't she tied in <laughs> yeah well then we wouldn't have had an episode but yes i know i know yeah, so that episode was uh, it was fun. I I I enjoyed it. It was only ten minutes long, so I didn't have to invest too much time into the no, thing. It, but... I'm not I'm not I'm not nitpicking like that. Yeah, it was a solid. It was entertaining. It was. I enjoyed that one. It was one of my favorite ones, for sure. Speaking of not my favorite ones, alternate <laughs> histories. The synopsis for this one. Want to see Hitler die in a variety of comically fantastical ways? Now you can. Welcome to the multiversity. I did not like this episode. It was just six different ways that Hitler could die in ridiculous ways and how that changes the future. This one did nothing for me. I was honestly falling asleep during this one, fell asleep and didn't finish it. How did you fall asleep through the Asian orgy with Hitler? No, I didn't. I don't even think I got to that part. So. I don't even know if you just made that up right now or if that's true. <laughs> I don't, I, I'm not, I don't have that good of an imagination. <laughs> uh, yeah, this one was a little rough for me. I mean, it's pretty short, eight minutes. I guess I could rewatch it, but I really don't want to. Don't. I saw like the first minute or two and it just seemed like silly. It just was. Like, just like silliness and uh, the animation was just like your nothing spoke to me about it so i'm not i don't think i'll be revisiting alternate histories but yeah the concept was interesting and then they just went a different direction with it 
Yeah. I like the idea of an app that you could like put in a future, like put in an alternate history idea and it spits out like different versions of that. It's just the versions that they did. I, the concept was intriguing, but just what they did with it wasn't anything for me. Another one that you. really wasn't for me was Lucky 13. It was about a drop ship called Lucky 13. Lost two crews. No pilot would fly her, but rookies don't get a choice. So it was about a woman pilot who gets saddled with Lucky 13, the ship that is cursed with bad luck, and she just, things happen. I really, this one just didn't, it was just, it was just things that kept happening, and this one didn't really do anything for me. No, there wasn't much of a twist or lesson or or story. Big story to this one. No, it's just about a ship, I guess, who eventually um, is aware of its own existence or something, or I don't, who knows. Um, But this was another one similar to Life Hutch from Volume Two, where it was like motion capture because that main actress is, I, I don't know her name in real life, but she was in Orange is the New Black and A Handmaid's Tale okay uh she's like a known actress and like it was straight motion capture again so i wouldn't be surprised if life hutch and that episode were made by the same person same team we'd have to look and see but uh yeah it was it was fine in that way like another one where you feel like you could be watching real actors in real situations so i give it props for that but nothing too much to this one for me nope I, I really, I, I had it on, but at that point I was just like, I, I needed the show to bring me. Like I said, as we've said many times, we're not binging people. And right. I was binging the show. And it, at that point, I needed them to bring it to me. And they didn't bring it to me with this episode. Yeah, we, we can definitely agree on that one. Cool. Uh, next up, second to last. We're almost there, guys, I swear. Blind uh-huh. spot: A gang of cyborg thieves stage a high-speed heist of a heavily armored convoy. Um, this one basically was Mega Man on steroids. Yeah, that's a good explanation for it, right there. If you, uh-huh. yeah, if you know what Mega Man is, Mega Man, it's just what it was. It just seemed like a, a Mega Man cartoon that you're watching that just kind of is rated R. Yeah, um, that's a good way to describe it. I like the character designs, like making them um, robot humanoid characters and um, the train, the whole train, you know, fight scene with the guns and the action was all right there. Uh, Only nine minutes, so it's not going to cost you too much time to watch this one. But uh, nothing crazy about the ending, nothing crazy about the content of it it was just kind of like once i got to this point it's like all right i've already kind of seen this a mishmash of this throughout the show already anyway so yeah just uh another entry that kind of kind of like file in the middle there for me not too high not too low yes and if we've learned anything from this conversation that we're having right now is that binging is no good for anybody and nobody should (laughs) binge stuff because i swear a lot of these would probably stand up better if they weren't binged so if you're if you're a binger out there, chances are you're doing yourself a disservice because there's probably a lot of good quality entertainment that just gets swept under the rung because it's watched too fast. Yeah. And last, we're finally here. The last episode we have here is Zima Blue. The renowned artist Zima reaccounts his mysterious past and rise to fame before unveiling his final work. Zima Blue was, I don't know, it was pretty cool. 
Yeah, I liked this one. This is one um, right up there towards the top of volume one for me because um, it did feel different. It felt uh, just more innovative in a way, even though it's not C- it wasn't in CGI. It's more like animation. Yeah. Like I already said, from volume two, the ice, the team that brought you ice was the same one who did Zeno Blue. <laughs> I definitely like their animation style apparently so you know if that if that team i'd have to look up who made that if they ever wanted to do like a full full length feature i'd be down for that i like the story of this one because the ending just felt the most um like un not predictable like i didn't really i couldn't tell where they were going with this one until we got to until they got to the end where i was like oh man that's kind of cool how they kind of like tied all this in together um cool visuals cool story um it didn't feel like it i'd already seen it in volume one like a lot of these other episodes like we've talked about like it felt like you were just re-watching the same thing just told in a different way slightly yeah so this one felt original and cool so yeah i, I was big on zima blue yeah it, it was beautiful i i liked once again i like to come back to the animation animation over computer animation and it was a good time. I, I really can't. I mean, yeah, this one struck emotional chords. They went for, you know, an AI and just they tried to tell something. They tried to have some feeling behind it. And I really enjoyed that. Yeah, we agree on that. We agree on that. So which were, which were your checkmark ones for volume one? Um, I had Zima Blue. I had Suits. I did have Good Hunting uh sunny's edge three robots which one is and good f- oh okay yeah 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 uh three robots and also which one did i miss fish night so those were a lot of the ones i thought were the standouts from volume one um but in volume two i had pop squad and the drowned giant only two out of eight but those might have hit harder than any of the ones in volume one so i don't know i'd have to rethink maybe rethink a little bit what I preferred more volume one or volume two. Yeah, I'm, I'm pumped for more. If you haven't checked this out, it's a lot of shorts. I wouldn't suggest binging it unless you're a binger, but they were, they were all really cool. Yeah. I mean, overall I think, I'm pumped for more. I think at this point when they start dropping more episodes, I'm going to be more excited. No, I'm with you. Like, especially if um, whoever's making the next episodes, like take, take uh, their cues from, some of volume two and like the show just keeps evolving and getting better and better. So I'm, I'm definitely here for a second half of volume two. Yeah. when you look at volume one and see where they're at and where, where they started with volume one and then what they started with for volume two, if they can continue with volume two, it's, I think there's going to be some real special stuff coming. Yep. Most definitely. All right, man. Well, let's wrap up with what we're geeking out on. Don's got a lot of stuff on here that I'm seeing that he's geeking out on, and I can't wait to hear about more of it and why some of it is here. So, Don, <laughs> jump in this week. I need to know. I saw I saw start stuff start typing in there while I was looking at the the Google Doc here, and I just I want to hear, man. I'm excited. Yeah, most definitely. Uh, this week, the first thing I'm geeking out on is a um, Image Comics. Man, I've been talking about Image Comics a lot when I get love into them. my geek. <laughs> I love Image Comics, love apparently. Uh, there is a hardcover um, collection. It's not even a collection. It was just kind of released as its own standalone story, but in a 
hardcover format for seventeen or sixteen ninety nine from Image. Uh, it's called Dracula Motherfucker. And uh, excuse the language for those of you with baby ears, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's called Dracula Motherfucker, and it's um, written by Alex DeCampi and art by Erica Henderson. Um, this is an imaginative tale set in the world of Dracula, but like it's Dracula retold. Uh, short synopsis is at the beginning, Vienna, 1889, Dracula's brides nail him to the bottom of his coffin. But then we fast forward to Los Angeles, 1974, and an aging starlet decides to raise the stakes. Um, crime scene photographer Quincy Harker has the proof, but will anyone believe him before he gets his own chalk outline? And are Dracula's three brides here to help Quincy or use him as bait? Um, yeah, this is... This is a cool story, and I'm going to try to talk about it without spoilers for those who do want to read it. Um, but it's uh, got beautiful art and colors. It's The art is what stands out to me the most about this book. Um, Erica Henderson is an is an artist who I, I was, I knew before um, this, I knew about this book. She's done the unbeatable squirrel girl for Marvel. And she also did another series I liked um, called assassination nation for image. Now, if you look at her artwork in those books, you could, it's kind of like cartoony, um, very cartoony animation, maybe style. And you'd be like, Oh, I, I don't know how she could write like a super adult book, but this book, she like takes her art to a whole nother level. And like, uh, the panels are done in a very innovative way. You, you know, we're very used to reading comic books, the reading right to left and then down and right to left. She takes that and like flips it on its head and the layouts are all different. And the process of the art is super cool. And it sucked me in, man. I can't explain it without, uh, you reading it or seeing what I'm talking about, but uh, yeah, this is cool. I, I like vampire stories. This is a cool retelling of Dracula. One thing that really does stand out to me is like the way they uh, presented Dracula as a being in this one. When you think Dracula and you think Dracula movies, what do you, what's the first thing you think of? Like a handsome man uh, seducing women and he's got slicked back hair and he just looks like a man, but he's wearing nice suits. Like, the Dracula in this comic is like, you can't even explain the way it looks. It's just like a monster that's uh, got a ton of eyes and like teeth and no real form to him. There's like no human form. It's just kind of this being that floats through and like comes in and we're supposed to think this is, we're told this is Dracula, but you're looking at it like, man, I've never seen Dracula presented in this way. Uh, so yeah, it's a super quick read. It's a it's a book, like I said, it's 17 bucks at your local comic store, so not much. Um, I read it li- literally in like, you know, 15 minutes, so it's it doesn't take long to get through. Uh, but definitely fun, and I recommend it for those interested in stories like that. Uh, the other thing, <laughs> my other thing, which Chris may have been alluding to earlier that I've been geeking out on this week, is Blink-182. <laughs> Blink-182. Blink 182, uh, specifically the albums Dude Ranch and Enema of the State, which for those who know are not new albums. Uh, these came out in 1997 and 1999. So we're going back 20 plus years here on these two. Um, now, like, why would I think of Blink 182? <laughs> what would make me want to go back and listen to these albums uh, that I have been? 
and each of them more than once uh, over the past few weeks. Um, just some viral videos popped up of this guy, and it's hard to explain, and I can't uh, tell you about them unless you go watch them. But there's this guy who's been releasing these videos who have a ton of views, and it's basically him by himself uh, doing blink as if he's playing Blink-182, but he's picking these other songs and saying, this is what it would sound like if Blink-182 wrote One Week by the Bare Naked Ladies. And he has a video where it's One Week in his Blink-182 style, and he plays bass, guitar, and drums. And then the other one he did was Don't Stop Believing. What if Blink-182 wrote Don't Stop Believing by Journey? This is what it would sound like. And it's this dude playing drums, guitar, and bass. And he, the, he sounds straight up like he would be Blink-182, like by himself. <laughs> These are crazy videos to watch. And it just got me thinking like, man, I really did like Blink-182 uh, back in the day. So I'm going to revisit some of these albums. Blink-182 was the first pop punk band that I really, really liked in high school. Um, maybe Chris did too. I know we both really liked this band. Uh and when I think, Dude, of these do you remember? Ra- do you remember being obsessed with them at Jamboree, nineteen ninety eight in Chicago? Oh my god! Yeah, that that was the one of the first real big concerts we went to, and that was like the main reason we went, even though it had like Red Hot Chili Peppers and uh, Dude, Bl- Blondie and Silverchair were all Dude, there. But- I missed Silverchair because we were standing <laughs> by a door that we thought Blink One Eighty Two might come out of, and to this day I still go. I could have watched Silverchair. I heard them. I could have actually saw Silverchair <laughs> live, and I didn't because we were wanted yeah. to try to get Sil- or Blink 182's autograph, which we yeah. never did because they didn't come out those doors. No, yeah, but that was fun, man. That was totally fun. Oh yeah, like I said, like I said, these were two my two most listened to albums. Really, at that point in my life, I remember in '99 we both bought Enema of the State on like the same day, like the day it came out. And we like went to my room and we're listening to it like track by track, like analyzing these songs. Like, yeah, it's pretty good. This is great. Like, I don't, I don't, <laughs> like, I don't know if you, cause we listened to dude ranch, like wore that thing out and listened to it a million times. So I don't know why I wanted to revisit these. I mean, they're, they don't make me feel the same way they did back then, obviously, but I still appreciate them for what they are for being like uh two albums that i really loved and i my musical tastes may have changed since then a little bit but i can still get listen to those and hear those songs and be like oh man yeah this is the jam this is from 97 99 when i was a dumb kid and these are songs that i i loved back then and i still like now um so nostalgic reasons are the main main thing i recognize you know the cheesiness of these albums now and like some of the some of the dumb jokes that are involved it's not the most you know advanced music in the world but it's still super fun and it made me realize for those who um are like up to what blink 182 is up to now like tom DeLong is no longer in that band it's all like matt skiba from alkaline tree yeah crazy to me. another another band we love or you know have a lot of fond memories with alkaline trio matt skiba the front man of that band is the idea that that dude is in one of the front men of blink 182 just i can't yeah. process that in my it's mind. still hard to believe and they've released like two or three albums with him and i've i've have listened to a couple of them and it just doesn't something about it still just doesn't fit like i think matt even has some songs where he sings on and they just don't sound right because it's like you hear him singing you're like dude this should what what the, this should be like an alkaline trio song and him and tom hoppus sound too similar that's what i liked about blink 182 the original is like 
Tom and Mark sounded so different. That's where my love for bands that had two front men came from, because you can listen to an album and get like two songs that feel like they're from two different bands, even though they're not. And like, you could, uh, you could be like, I'm listening to two different bands right now. So, uh, <laughs> sorry, my wife just brought me some snacks down here. I had to pause for a second. Fruit snacks? No, not fruit snacks. These are crackers. Uh, Rich crackers. But anyway, uh, yeah, I kind of lost my train of thought. That, that was. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so I've been I've been listening to both of those, um, and I can't really explain why. I'm just like enjoying myself. So. Yeah, dude, Blink One Eighty Two is one of those bands that just always comes back. I just literally got a job being a videographer by putting together a video of why I want to be a videographer, and I use Blink One Eighty Two in the background for all of my music. And uh, luckily, I didn't have to publish it for real; otherwise, I probably <laughs> would have been sued. But I was—I put that Blink One Eighty Two across because it just worked. I took some song from Cheshire Cat. Can't tell you what the name of the damn thing was anymore. But I took their first album and I threw it in the background. And it just fit perfectly and set this just nice tone of just kind of like this '90s real world type, just like emotional. And it just worked for this video and it got me a job. So I mean, yeah, I had nothing but love for Blink One Eighty Two. And I honestly, as you said, with their new albums, I'll listen. I mean, I really—it's not Blink One Eighty Two. The stuff with mm-hmm. Matt but just isn't the same. But some of those songs are damn good. I, I still I still enjoy some of their new stuff they've been putting out with uh with Skiba. Skiba. Yeah. I, I I probably would give them definitely another listen again too. It's it it's not the same band, but it could still be good, good enough to listen to. Yeah. But I, I know my last thought on that was like I it made me think if Tom if for some reason like Tom DeLong ever rejoined this band and they like redid the original lineup and they came out with a new album i'd be all over it like wanting to hear what it sounded like now i really would but would you go see them live no that's a whole nother thing (laughs) even though those i'm like i wanted to be like well there'd be too many kids there jumping around but when you think about it blink 182 is like 45 year old dudes they're older than us still singing about like college heartbreak and girl love and all that stuff but uh yeah i don't know it wouldn't be there wouldn't be any kids there (laughs) <laughs> right there wouldn't I, be i think you'd be all right yeah cool man that's some good stuff and you know what honestly i'm probably gonna listen to dude ranch here this week you should i recommend it it's fun and watch i'll send you those videos of that guy covering those songs yeah so you can see see what sparked this whole journey for me it i really just, want to see that yeah they're fun what are you geeking out on this week dude dude it finally happened finally happened i've been waiting since january to make this happen and i finally watched psycho gorman <laughs> psycho gorman psycho gorman <laughs> um this was a movie that came out on nowhere to me it came out in january in theaters and on demand and i just re- neglected to pay money for it um it finally just hit shutter the streaming service the horror streaming service shutter as well as that's kind of tied in with amc plus so through my Amazon, I was able to just basically snag two months of AMC Plus for 99 cents. So I did it. So I can watch Psycho Goreman. And this week I watched this movie and it was so good in the worst ways. Like if you haven't heard, just watch the trailer for Psycho Goreman. You'll know exactly what you're getting into. It's basically an R-rated Power Rangers movie. But the basic synopsis is about this brother and sister 
who unwittingly resurrect an ancient extraterrestrial overlord who wants to murder everybody. But while they resurrect him, the little girl finds a ancient gem that allows her to control what he does. So then they go on adventures. And this movie is everything I wanted it to be and more. It is super gory as a movie called Psycho Goreman should be. It was an R-rated Power Rangers movie. There were so many characters in like suits, rubber suits walking around. This movie cracked me up in so many ways. And even in ways I wasn't expecting. If you like weird kind of funny violent like i don't even know how to describe this movie you just have to watch the trailer and you'll know exactly what you're getting into this movie was totally worth the 99 cents i ended up paying for an amc plus subscription uh to check it out for free right now i know even on the xbox now that it hits shutter it's dropping in price rapidly so i even on the xbox right now you can rent it for 99 cents if you like weird stuff that's kind of cheesy like i said if an r-rated power ranger sounds appealing to you rent this movie now <laughs> nice uh power rangers r-rated put them together sure why not the trailer always looked cool to me on this one so uh and i knew you were all about it i knew you, you'd see it before i did so i appreciate your I, review i like weird shit man i like weird stuff that just doesn't make sense and where you can't predict it, you can't, you just don't know where it's coming. It was written and directed by the same guy who did The Void, which is more of a horror movie. And that one was very out there and all kinds of over the place, but I enjoyed that. And I just like originality in movies and this one has it. And they just really t touched on so many like 80s tropes and so many other things that they did. And just so much stuff that I could spoil, but I really don't want to, that just popped up that you just kind of would, I'd be like, man, and that so many times I would sit there and go, man, I hope they do this. And then they would do it. And I would go, yes. <laughs> and I, I had a blast for the hour and 20 minutes or whatever this stupid movie is. I enjoyed watching it and not having to pay for it. You know, 99 cents for a subscription to AMC plus for a couple months. I'm cool with that. It was worth it. And I'll probably watch it again before my trial or my before I doubt I'll keep paying for AMC plus once my two months are up. <laughs> yeah. But I'll probably watch this again since then. It just, it was a good time. It's definitely, if you, especially as we're coming out of a pandemic, get some people together, have some drinks and watch this stupid ass movie. <laughs> sure. Every now and then you got to just watch a stupid movie. Why not? If it's right. fun, it don't matter that it's stupid. Right. Exactly. So it was a good time and definitely check out the trailer and you'll know if it's going to be for you very quick. Um, since I had AMC plus, I've also now decided to look through it and see what's there. They did have one other show. I definitely wanted to check out, which was called gangs of London. Um, it was originally created by Gareth Evans, who, if you don't know, he's actually the writer director of a lot of movies, but he's done raid raid two so Raid Redemption, Raid 2, he did a movie on Netflix, a horror movie called The Apostle. He's done a lot of, he's a very big choreography, martial arts. If you've watched Raid and Raid 2, which are two, like my, those movies are just awesome. If you, if you like martial arts movies, those movies are just amazing. Um, the way he does choreography is just awesome. And when I always heard about Gangs of London was going to be on TV, Gareth Evans directed the first two episodes, basically the pilot, and they had this just giant action choreography just fight scene that happens at the end of the first episode and i was like i need to see this so when i knew i had amc plus i was ready for that so yeah gangs of london it's a very kind of like gangster type show 
Um, it's basically about this one family, the Wallace family, that kind of runs all of the organized crime across London. And then the main, the head, the Finn Wallace, the main character of that family, like the father, is murdered. So then it goes on this journey of who murdered him, who, why did they want him dead, who killed him, who had the balls to kill him, and everything else. And his son is kind of like stepping in, basically just like shutting down all organized crime in London until he finds out who killed his dad. And chaos ensues and stuff from that. But each episode does have like one super choreographed like martial arts, just like fight scene, which is enjoyable for me. So, so far, every episode I've watched, I think I've watched about three episodes and each episode like ends with just like one massive choreographed, just insanity, violent fight. And I've been enjoying it. So it's been a solid series since I ended up with AMC Plus for a couple of months to watch Psycho Goreman. Gangs of London's a nice con- consolation prize to check out. Yeah, dude. Sounds I don't know if you've heard of that one or not, or no, I I don't know if I have or not. But uh, hey, if you say it's good, I'll check it out. It's it's interesting. I believe it's actually running on AMC as well because it is an AMC show. Um, I know they like ran it on AMC Plus originally, and then I think they started running it on TV as well. Um, so it might be just on your regular AMC without having to subscribe to anything. But I'm not 100 percent sure about that. Very cool. But that's what I'm geeking out on, man. Yeah, good geeking out weeks for the both of us. And uh, yeah. And I'm going to listen to Blink-182 and Don's going to watch Psycho Gore, man. <laughs> that's how we do it here. We give each other ideas and we run with them. So uh, they couldn't be more different things to do. <laughs> but uh, why not? Sounds fun to me. Yeah. But I think that's going to wrap us up this week unless you got anything because this has probably exploded new episode. I thought it was way more than I thought it was going to be for a week where we had nothing to talk about. <laughs> yeah, we kind of made made something out of nothing here. We didn't know what we'd be talking about this week, but we, it looks like we had plenty to talk about. So, yeah, man, it's been fun. Good good week to be a geek. <laughs> Can't say it better myself. So make sure you like, subscribe, follow us, rate us, review us, everything. Raise the geek at raise the geek at Twitter raise the geek at gmail.com hit us up join the conversation we'd love to hear from each and every one of you geeks out there but until next time i'm chris and i'm done thanks for listening to the raised a geek podcast where we all speak geek